We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live edition of the Casey Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. You deserve a checking account that always goes for two, as in 2% cash back. Earn more on everyday purchases with a cash back checking account at Emprise Bank. Visit EmpriseBank.com. Member FDIC, our partners in Possible. So appreciative of them and all they've done for KC Sports Network. And I'm appreciative of the fact that we're reunited and it feels so good. Maddie Lane, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Hello, my friend. What's good? You know, everything's good. We're we're sitting down here at 7:30 going live for everybody. So I hope you guys are enjoying your dinner, listening to this great show live that you can find on YouTube. You can find it on Twitter at KC Sports Network. You know, come check us out. Hang out with us live, send some comments in. We got Tucker behind the scenes that'll send some comments up here for us to respond to throughout the show. So thank you guys for joining us. If you're listening later, still welcome. We still enjoy you. But, you know, catch a live show. They're a lot more fun live. You get your uh, your comments to come up on here. And I do have one problem. Craig's wearing Kansas Jayhawk colors, and I will not stand for it. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I like to rock a little KU every once in a while. It's good to be back. I was doing day job things all last week, and it pained me to not get to talk to my two pals. So I got some things to say about the Chiefs' performance against the Bills and where we... Oh, wait. No, no. Everything's good. <laughs> they they blew out the Washington football team. We're going to go that direction with today's show. But, uh, but yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, work things in Vegas. Mm. Oh, mm. no. I mean... Rough life, am I right? No. Rough. I I know how I know I know you had a crazy transition from our weekends straight yeah. to uh straight to Vegas. Straight to that, building jets, you know, rubbing exactly. elbows with the people, kind of people that build jets, build rovers that go to Mars. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Well, I can only imagine it's time to transition to actually talking about this game <laughs> because uh, there's a lot to to unpack with the Chiefs beating the Washington football team thirty-one to thirteen and. What we thought we would do for this game is maybe kind of just go in a more linear, you know, chronological pattern because, you know, there was a lot of angst and frustration and rightfully so with the first half performance. And then a lot of big changes uh, to how this team performed in the second half. So I think, you know, it's worth kind of maybe examining it from that perspective. So the first half is going to be maybe addressing some of the issues that have been there. 
some of the issues that continue to be there. Some of the issues, honestly, frankly, you know, hey, look, for instance, this team still had three turnovers in plus territory. That is still going to continue to be a, 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 a discussion point. But there's probably going to be a little bit more optimism and positivity and, and some good vibes coming in the back half of the show when we kind of more maybe unpack some of the things that happened in the second half a little bit more too. Uh, but let's go ahead and just start with that first half because, man, I, I, that left a really bad taste in the mouth of a lot of Chiefs fans, uh, including ourselves. Boy, I will say this before we get started. Some of the receipts on the tweets from this game, boy, they flipped on a dime very quickly. I'm not really that disappointed because there was a rightful frustration in the first half, Maddie. Well, I think this is almost even more than a tale of two halves. You can almost break this thing down quarter by quarter. Because in the first quarter, I mean, the way things came out, Chiefs defense forced, what, a three and out to start the game. They looked like they were playing with a little bit more energy. The Chiefs get the ball back. They do some fun stuff, then march right down the field and score a touchdown. It's like right off the bat, you're almost feeling really good the way this game started out. Three and out, quick touchdown. Like I said, there was more energy on defense. I don't think you could really tell many changes coming on defense yet. But on the offensive side, I mean, you get Mike Rimmers out there at right tackle, and it's too early off of one drive to make an opinion, but he looked good. He looked fine that first drive. You get the deep ball to Jody Fortson, who makes an amazing catch before they run it in. So you just got to see some of these changes, you know, the right tackle switch. I think they did some other stuff with their wide receivers that we'll talk about later that kind of helped them look a little bit more functional on offense, break them out of a funk. So this game started off, I thought, kind of on the right foot. It was just after this drive, that's when things started to tilt downhill just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got really excited. The defense came up with the three and out, which you would expect. It's not, it, it's certainly the worst offense that the Chiefs defense has played this season. I think that's fairly clear by, by quite a bit, actually. So, I mean, it was good to see that, though. You make bad teams look bad, and they did that on that first drive. They actually did a pretty decent job throughout the first half holding this team to field goals, getting off the field a couple more times. It was good to see that, but unfortunately, the offense just kind of wasted things after that. They had some punts. They had they had some really, really bad turnovers, like egregiously bad turnovers. One of them goes off of Tyreek Hill's hands. You have a McCall Hardman fumble. You have Patrick Mahomes throwing the worst interception of his career, and uh, it's been all over sports center and espn all day long and frankly it should because it was egregious and awful but it was after that second turnover that you saw the defense kind of finally give in a little bit they gave up a giant screen pass on a third and 16 where ben neiman might have been the only player on the field to really id it and get over there which was crazy to to think about and then ben neiman turns around and gives up a 39 yard touchdown pass you know two plays later so you you saw it kind of fall apart you saw it start to cascade and based on the way that the chiefs have played against the bills based on the way that the chiefs have played against the ravens earlier this season i think you were kind of sitting there at halftime you know thinking pretty doom and gloom thoughts which is why all the tweets came out you know calling for people's heads it was kind of you were questioning the the DNA of this team. You know, you kind of wondered what has changed. Why does this team look like a shell of themselves? Is it you know? Is it Father Time? And is it the fact that this team is you know? I, we we don't talk enough about this. This team has played near the maximum number of games you can in the last three years. The only game that they haven't missed, they, they've missed one game, and it's the 2019 Super Bowl. 
I guess you call it 2018, whatever you want to call it. It's Patrick Mahomes' first year as a starter. They lost in overtime to the New England Patriots. That was really, you know, they played near the maximum number of football games. Is there just an emotional level to this where it's just, it becomes more challenging to get up for these, you know, th- these kind of moments, something. Um, and, and funny enough, the funny enough, Craig, you did mention, or sorry, Maddie mentioned, uh, it was really a, it was a quarter of football that was really bad. I mean, the Chiefs were up seven to three going into the second quarter. And they were first in goal at the nine yard line in the very first play of the second quarter's interception. They wind up having three turnovers in plus territory during that uh, that quarter of football. And that's that's where a lot of the the questions started, you know, really piling in. I did the post game show or not the, the pregame sh- uh, that the, sorry, the halftime show. Uh, one of the shows, <laughs> one of the shows. I you know, whatever. Hey, uh, Mondays. Am I right? I did the uh, I did the halftime show uh of uh, you know from the from the bullpen bar and grill and boy that was not a happy group that was not a was that not a happy conversation it shouldn't have been. there was there was no reason to because the same issues that had been plaguing this football team that had led him to a two and three start were, were occurring and it's the way it's 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 any way that the Chiefs could turn the ball over they did through the hands of a receiver focus uh ball protection uh from mccall hardman and then Patrick Mahomes, I genuinely think the worst throw in the history of Patrick Mahomes' career in the National Football League we saw on Sunday. And it was just inexcusable. I you know, honestly though, like, yeah, there was a cover. There was one. I mean, if you really look at the totality of the defensive side of the football in that, in that, in that, uh, that second quarter too, Craig. And that was there was one really bad drive. Outside of that, like, are we too disappointed outside of that one drive with two very egregious mistakes that have been happening? Like, that's the that's the funny thing. There was just all, all the things that have been wrong with this football team, both sides of the football, happened in that one quarter of football, and it got extremely frustrating and ugly, and Washington went 10 nothing on him in that quarter, Craig. Yeah. Uh, you know, outside of that drive, I don't feel like it was particularly bad. Now, Washington football team's play calling was... Uh, it, I'm trying to find a, a less bad word than awful, but it was awful. I mean, let, let's be real. It was awful. They did not attack a lot of things that the Chiefs have beaten by to date in this season. You know, they didn't stretch them very horizontal. They didn't really try and isolate the cornerbacks and throw at them and really take advantage of Terry McLaurin, one of the better receivers in the NFL, you know, one-on-one against a cornerback. They really, kept it in the teeth and in the middle of the defense on first down and then turned around and ran on second down against a team that actually played some pretty decent run defense out of their nickel this week we got to see a little bit more of nick bolton playing the mike linebacker role you know even before anthony hitchens went out played the mike linebacker role with willie gay in as the will and honestly nick bolton looked a lot more comfortable playing the mike making reads off of there, coming downhill as a two-down linebacker in that role, just like Anthony Hitchens does. You know, that's not a knock against him, just like Anthony Hitchens does. And so they came up with stops. And when they came up with those stops, it got Steve Spagnuolo into these third-down situations. Now, Washington was throwing slants. They were throwing bubbles. They were allowing the Chiefs to collapse, get downhill, and force a punt. But those are the situations that Steve Spagnuolo wants to be in. He can get his blitz on. He can get the rush on a little bit more. And we got to see that. The Chiefs came up with some legitimate stops in the first half and throughout the game, honestly, but in the first half especially. And so you did feel pretty good about the defense outside of that one drive. Right, Matty? Yes and no for me. I think 
you kind of touched on it. The play calling was bad. This Washington football team, this offense was very poor for the Washington football team. They just didn't look like they were executing very well. They looked sloppy. They looked unsure of themselves. Everything looked like it was just barely working. But there were, I mean, there was three scoring drives. They had two field goal drives, that long touchdown drive. Like It's not like they weren't putting up any points. 13 for this Chiefs defense and a half is really good. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like That was a yeah. good performance. <laughs> Just the it was just as much the offense was being inept as I felt like the defense was playing good. Like Craig said, they were attacking the Chiefs between the tackles. And I think some teams, you know, the Cleveland Browns, for instance, can get away with that because their mm-hmm. offensive line is excellent. Their running backs are excellent. Washington football team, no, that doesn't work. So you're running into the one thing the Chiefs linebackers, Nick Fulton, Anthony Hitchens went before he got hurt kind of did well, and that's played downhill between the tackles. That did show up in this game over and over again. So I don't think they were challenging the Chiefs' defense in the way I wanted to see them get challenged to be better at, but it was good for winning the game. Now, I got to flip it, though. We got to go back offensively. We're in the first half. I felt I, I felt awful about the offense in the first half, and it was really like we said, that second quarter. You get the slip from Tyree Kill. He throws there. The ball goes through his hands. It's an interception. The Chiefs come back after that. They or they got the uh, short field. They end up kicking a field goal. It's just like nothing seemed to be working. Then they had to punt. Then they had their own fumble. Then another like nothing was working for the Chiefs' offense. It seemed like after that big play to McCole Hardman down the sideline, which was an excellent play, it just seemed like everything they were slogging through mud. There was no confidence again. I said it after the Bills game. Feels like Patrick Mahomes is uncomfortable. It doesn't feel like he's throwing the ball with confidence from that point on after that interception. It just didn't really feel like he had the same level of confidence that he had early or later in the game that we're going to get to. He was pushing the ball out. He was trying to place it in receivers hands and just nothing looked clean. Nothing looked crisp the entire first half. And you get to halftime. Like just watching at home by myself, watching the halftime show that Kent was doing nobody, like everybody just felt bad about where Mm -hmm. the chiefs were heading in this particular game. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was, it was painful to watch and it felt like a lot of the issues, like, honestly, it felt like a don't not to be too, too dramatic, but like, it kind of felt like if they lost that game, that was kind of the death knell for their, their Super Bowl hopes. That's kind of how that was the vibe that it kind of felt because that's, I don't know how far rock bottom can be, but I think those, I think it's kind of funny. It's interesting. You know, Andy Reid talked about in his postgame presser that, you know, a lot of guys in the locker room just said enough was enough at halftime. There was a, there was a, there was a very real legitimate change in, in, you know, in how this team was, you know, the, the mentality of this football team. And I wonder, you know, I, I kind of talked a little bit about earlier about how these, this team has played near the maximum number of games this last three years, emotionally going through two Super Bowl runs being on the doorstep of the other Super Bowl. And, and a lot of this team was 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 here for that for that whole thing. There's a track record of them being able to figure it out. There's a track record of them going out and just doing what they're doing. And and, and mentally, you know, there's probably just a, a, a large belief that they're just going to get things figured out. Don't worry about it. It'll get it'll figure itself out. It'll work itself out. This isn't a lack of effort. It's not a lack of preparation during the week, just a confidence on game day that we're going to it's going to get figured out. Don't worry. Something I think mentally had to a, a switch had to flip. Something fundamentally switched there in that locker room because we saw a completely different team in the second half. Well, sort of, because the first drive of the game was actually not particularly great. It was a I bad think- drive. The Chiefs had to punt. Uh, they got into a, I believe, a, a fourth and eighteen. Tommy Townsend 
punts basically to the line to gain. Tucker, earmuffs. That was an <laughs> awful punt at the worst possible time. Just he's had a just he's had awful. a few too many of those. Good punts. Yeah. Most of his punts are good, but you know, he's had a couple very untimely bad punts for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. He really has. That and it, it was the start of the first half or the second half. It felt like an omen. It just felt like this is <laughs> ugh. This again. We saw this in the Super Bowl. Like it felt like we were just, you know, like it, there's just a lot of just, you know, angst there. Everything from that point basically is just all Chiefs. Dominant defensively, dominant offensively, a lot to impact there, Maddie. Well, and you had said it earlier that it kind of felt like maybe this team had a confidence that they'd figure it out. My big thing was the fact that I don't think they were playing confidently. I think the Chiefs have not been paying, playing confidently. They have not been playing with swagger these past couple of weeks. Some teams have come out early this year, punched them in the mouth, and I think they're still reeling from it. I feel like they're very good at front running. And this year they've been neck and neck with a lot of teams. And it's just, they're trying to adapt to being able to do that, to be able to play that way. And it was good to finally see that switch get flipped here because we're going down. You know, Washington pretty much starts in field goal range here. This defense mm-hmm. has to stop them from scoring a touchdown. They have to stop them from scoring a touchdown on this particular drive or it becomes, you know, a full or it becomes a two score game. Potentially the chiefs are then playing catch up the entire way. This is a huge drive. So what do you get? You get a screen pass on first down. Tyron Matthew forces it inside. Nick Bolton slips under a block, makes the tackle second and six. You have the guy that's touted up as the defensive leader, the heart and soul of this defense. And Tyron Matthew has to run the alley one-on-one with the running back. He's the only person stopping this running back from probably getting a scoring a touchdown on this play. Maybe, you know, Juan Thornhill can make a tackle for 10, 15 yards, but he's the only guy stopping a touchdown here. He comes up, not only does he make the tackle, he makes it, you know, to where it still forces a third and two, I think it was. It was just a one-on-one tackle in the hole by himself that everybody says is afraid of contact, the guy that doesn't want to play hard, that's making business decisions left and right. He comes up and makes this tackle one-on-one with the running back on second down. Washington tries to go hurry up, bad throw. Juan Thornhill's also there to clean up, stop him on third down, force the field goal, it's missed, and all of a sudden this team has new life. Craig's defense saves the day. They really did. They're mine now? I get get to claim them? You took them over. Listen, you mean the the defense that's only allowed 20 points in the last six quarters? Oh, that's right. I'm going there. You mean that defense that's allowed 1.17 points per drive in the last six quarters? Oh, is that good? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Is that pretty good? Yeah, it's the offense is the offense is averaging like 3.2 points per possession. The yeah. defense is giving that prediction. The Chiefs will not lose if that ratio continues. <laughs> That's hey, good call. Great call. Hashtag yeah. analytics. Yeah. No, it was good. Uh, I think you saw, uh, especially in that drive, uh, Tyra Matthew and Juan Thornhill, because Juan Thornhill also blew up a bubble screen. Juan Thornhill actually ran the alley and and made a big hit earlier on in that drive as well. It was a it was a bigger gain, but he had to be the guy to come over and make the play. You saw the Chiefs' safeties, this position that we've talked about time and time again, that they need to step up because that's what's the engine, that's what makes this defense, especially in the secondary, go. You saw both those guys in the second half change not that they were bad in the second half i didn't have complaints about tyron matthew juan thornhill had a tackle early in the game that i thought was eh, a little iffy but made some other good ones so those two guys are your rocks yeah it it, it was good to see them and you know we have like maddie said we have all these guys talking about how tyron matthew's making business decisions he wasn't making business decisions in that second half but you know a good business decision 
our good pals at McAdoodles, if you're a franchisee, you got to get in the Kansas City area because guess what? These people love to tailgate and tailgaters need booze. And McAdoodles has literally everything that you could ever want at their stores. I go in there and I am a kid in a candy store. I spend way too much money every time I'm in there because I have to try everything new that's on the shelves and there's a ton of it. So I constantly have to check myself at McAdoodles to prevent myself from spending way too much money. So if you're a franchisee, a good business decision would be to get a hold of Roger, info at mcadoodles.com, get one to Kansas City, get all that sweet tailgate money so that all those people can come and watch Tyron Matthew not make business decisions, be the player that we saw in the second half of this game, and just be a game changer, frankly. It really was a game changer for that defense. Absolutely was, uh, and it was, it was, you know, it, look, you, you said it, to your point, Craig, there was some kind of changes that were kind of happening maybe even a little bit before this game, six quarters of football, stringing together a lot better football, maybe a little bit more regression to the mean was hard to be worse than they were, you know, the first, you know, four and Very a half hard. games of the season. I mean, it was embarrassingly bad and you saw some good things. And obviously like, you know, to Maddie's point schematically Washington did some things that allowed, you know, the Chiefs to maybe play to some of the strengths of some of their players uh, at times, which I think you guys kind of bring into question in general, just why the game plan horizontal stretching, you know, making these, making the second level play in space, things that have really, really worked well for a lot of teams here. Uh, and then, you know, taking some shots and some challenges downfield and forcing some cover. Like, I mean, honestly, coverage busts left and right. You, you would see them, you know, hopefully being a little bit more at, and take more advantage of some of those. But um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from this defense at all. Cause I think they, they, you've got to be super encouraged by what you saw, you know, at a, at a macro level and a micro level. Cause there's a lot of good performances from individual players too, Maddie. There was. And I, I think you saw just a lot more just energy. We talked about Nick Bolton a little bit. I think Tershawn Wharton brought a good level of energy to that defense. I think the oh, entire defensive double. line probably played their best game, but I just think he brought a certain level of energy that jumped off the screen. Frank Clark still can't move. Like he literally still can't accelerate or turn, but he's still, he's trying. Like you can tell there's still a little bit of power there. He's had some decent pass rush reps. It's just once he gets the corner of a tackle, he can't really finish the playoff. So certain guys were playing well. I think going to Craig's point over like the last six quarters, one change that I think I have seen, we've obviously gotten Juan Thornhill on the field a little bit more, but what that's really allowing is Tyron Matthews getting more time in the box again. Oh, since that second half of the Bills game going through this Washington football game, he's getting to play a lot more in the box or as an overhang. And I think that's big. One of the big changes this Chiefs defensive coaching staff has made, and that allows him to make more plays. Juan Thornhill's range on the back end helps that a ton because he can cover a lot more ground than Matthew or Sorensen can on the back end. So like that's one of their big schematic changes. I don't know if there's anybody else that Craig wants to highlight that he kind of thought jumped off the screen on the defensive. So get him, get him, big guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, Jaron Reed. Had himself a good day rushing the passer. Jaron Reed had five pressures by my charting this week. And, and granted, some of them were late in the rep. Like one of them was the play that that Frank Clark thought he had the sack. And then he got back up. And Jaron Reed's right on top of a direct result of Frank Clark landing on and getting a penalty for Josh Allen. Tried to gator roll him. Anyway, Jaron Reed flashed a little bit. Closed, crushed the pocket, especially early in the game. There was a couple of reps where he and Mike Dana both were meeting at the quarterback, deflected a pass. It was good to see that interior pressure 
rise up again. Now, it's still not happening regularly. It's still not something that you're seeing out of this group as a as a whole regularly, but you're starting to see those baby steps. Jaron Reed had a really good game rushing the passer this week, so I give him a shout out there. And unless Kent wants to talk about him, our guy Rashad Fenton needs to start. That period. I, I'm listen. Charvarius Ward has done nothing to lose that job from Rashad Fenton, other than Rashad Fenton playing well. And Rashad Fenton is playing very well right now. I think in the nickel, you should have Fenton and Ward on the outside with Lajarius Need on the inside. But give me Lajarius Need and Rashad Fenton on the outside in the base defense because, frankly, I love the attitude. I love the physicality. I just love the way he's playing. He he was able to stay on the in the hip pocket of Terry McLaurin for a large part of Sunday's game, and that's hard for any cornerback to do. Give me that guy. I was gonna go with uh, with, uh, with Rashad Fenton. By the way, Terry McLaurin four catches for twenty eight yards. Mm-hmm. Pretty uh, pretty pretty good uh, to keep a guy like that. Uh, eight targets still. By the way, too. So, oh yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the Chiefs did an outstanding job. It's funny enough, the guys you saw, you know, having some success, JD McKissick, eight catches, 65 yards, Ricky Seals Jones, four catches, 58 yards. Obviously, that coverage bust. Um, outside that, no, no one had more than 30 yards. Uh Diami Brown had 30 yards. No one had a catch over 13 yards outside of those two guys. So uh, I think you know, those are some of those secondary weapons. You know, some of that second level, you know, those guys are going to, you know, see against the second level, see in space a little bit. So, you know, the, again, another, I don't know why Washington attacked the Chiefs the way that they attacked them. So they should have, they should have, they, JD McKissick got 10 targets. He probably should have got 20. <laughs> I mean, they, they tried a little bit there at the beginning of the second half. They tried to get a little more horizontal than they did in the first half. But the chief safeties, like we said, Tyron Matthew, Tyron Matthew with a broken thumb, you know, and Juan Thornhill came downhill well. Rashad Fenton did as well. Blew up some stuff underneath. The Jerry Sneed had a tackle for loss as well. I mean, like, these guys made plays out in space, out in the flats. We haven't seen that as often this year. So that's what was able to get some of those early stops in the second half. And then we got the offense. I mean, we, we've gone all this time talking about how good the second half defense is. And for good measure, they, they allowed 75 yards and zero points. But man, that offense, once they got rolling in the second half, was fun to watch. It was. And I, I think we need to save uh, Patrick Mahomes just for the second part of this offensive talk. Because first, <laughs> I it. just want to quickly yeah, just go over some of the stuff. We've been, or especially I've been critical of kind of, I don't think this Chiefs coaching staff has been very good offensively at adapting as the game's gone on, really changing what they're doing from week to week. That was different this week. They came out and did quite a bit of different stuff. I mean, I think it started with the Mike Rimmers change at right tackle. I think that was a clear upgrade in pass protection over Lucas Niang. And you never don't want to say that about a young guy, but just Mike Rimmers does a better job pushing defensive ends deep around the pocket. It gives Patrick Mahomes his most comfortable escape angle through the B gap. So like that was the first change they made was just switching out the right tackle. Next, Kent talked about it a little bit on his article on the KCSN Substack with McCall Hardman's deep pass. They set him up for a little bit of a fade or a little bit of an out and up, but they had him aligned on the numbers. So he had a ton of space to work with on the outside. He was still the outside wide receiver. They just gave him a lot of space to work. They were doing that all game, whether it was Byron Primo, well, even Marcus real, Robinson. 
Real quick, what? even how they even though they got McCall aligned, uh, you know, they they set Jarek McKinnon up outside of him, outside the numbers before motioning him back in. So by alignment there, they've got him set up with a lot of space outside the numbers. Like I thought that was just a clever little touch there too. You get your man man coverage, zone coverage ID with the running back, and now you're motion you're, you're sitting there motioning back in, and now he's kind of lined up in a condensed look with a lot of space to work outside. If William Jackson gives him a good, you know, he, if he gives him a good you know, a press and he's still got time to recover down the sideline and that kind of stuff. Sorry, continue. I just thought, I thought there was really, it was a lot of really smart stuff with that kind of look. Yeah. And they, like, they that's the later. little things you got to appreciate. Yeah. They did it later. Byron Pringle caught a big pass down the right sideline and they used Travis Kelsey outside of him, motioned him in to get the same look and then ran him on a slot fade too. So like, they were adjusting their splits of their outside wide receiver by motioning in a player that was lined wider initially back in to get their ideas they were giving these outside receivers these online scrimmage wide receivers more space to work with because they're not particularly good at beating press they were giving them more space to operate that was really nice this was the first week that both Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill they both saw by far their most of their reps as a slot receiver not outside or Travis Kelsey in line they kept those two in the slot Byron Pringle Demarcus Robinson McCole Hardman were getting a lot of outside reps and what else they did they were keeping Hill and Kelsey on opposite sides of the line of scrimmage. Like they were keeping on the opposite sides of the offense a lot more often, which made it harder for teams to bracket both of them at once. I just thought they threw in a lot of extra wrinkles this week to allow this passing game to really expand and to be better. Cause we saw that they struggled against the bills. They've struggled at times this year versus these two high coverages that are able to bracket, that are able to double team Hill and Kelsey relatively easily based on alignment, I think. So they went out of their way to adjust that this week and let some of these other role players really step up in some spots. They were clearly trying to get the ball to Kelsey over the middle. They just allowed by alignment for the team not to double team them frequently. I think you you, you kind of nailed it on the head in a lot of different ways there, Maddie. I think the Chiefs presented a lot of different problems and solutions to some of the problems that have been presented to them, uh, you know, in the first five games of the season. And I think that's what's so interesting. That's going to what's going to be interesting moving forward. And by the way, we've been talking about a historically great offense outside of the turnovers for the first five games of the years. <laughs> Seriously, they are one of the most efficient, you know, offenses in the history of the National Football League, even though they're turning the ball over at an unsustainable rate. And we're sitting here talking about all the problems that they've you got. You say to to... unsustainable. I'm watching this football team and wondering if this is just who they are now. If they keep turning the ball over, I'm going to grow even more gray here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, 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 you know, they, they, I think they did a lot of good things that are just going to create a lot more stress. But one other thing we got to talk about real quick. Uh, you just got you just got into talking about the secondary weapons. McCole Hardman four catches, sixty two yards on five targets. Byron Pringle three catches, fifty five yards on three targets. Demarcus Robinson three catches, forty six yards and a touchdown on six targets. You know there wasn't a Jody Fortson one target, twenty seven yards. There wasn't a ton of inefficiency when those guys were getting targeted. I mean, you know Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill still went over double digit targets, but you got it was great to see Craig. It was great to see that. You know, those secondary weapons. It wasn't one guy stepping up and having a really nice game. All three of them, you've got to be very happy with all of them. Uh, even in blocking in some of these situations, mm -hmm. like Demarcus Robinson with some of his outstanding blocking, you've got to love what you saw out of those secondary pieces. Everyone really stepping oh, yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, you saw seven guys get three targets or more in this game. That's that's really efficient, effective 
offense. We don't typically see that this year. I, I mean, obviously, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey get the bulk of the targets. And I have criticized this team for not utilizing those tertiary weapons quite as often as we've seen them use them this past week. It was good to see it spread around a little bit more. You got to see McCole Hardman get vertical. You got to see Demarcus Robinson also get vertical, but was able to make some nice plays as well. Byron Pringle came in clutch a couple of times. You know, you you saw more output from these tertiary weapons. That makes them impossible. To stop, I'll say it impossible to stop if if they're getting that kind of production out of those guys and the confidence from Mahomes to throw the ball their way because that's what we've seen in the past. He's not been as confident in some of those other weapons. You got to see that confidence, and Josh Gordon didn't even have a target. Like the guy that that we all went, okay, well here it comes, and the Chiefs even told you it's coming. We're expecting big things, even pregame in this. There were two guys that really didn't have the impact that that everybody blew them up to be pregame. Josh Gordon, Willie Gay. These guys, it was, oh, this is the game. Here's where it's coming. Josh Gordon didn't get a target. Willie Gay barely played. So, I mean, you, you saw Mahomes and this offense be effective through these guys that were on the roster. And it, it really, it, it showed. It really showed because Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey were beat up and weren't able to play a lot of the time. We've seen this offense just go completely stagnant and dead when that's happened in the past. It wasn't the case this week. Yeah, and like you said, these tertiary targets made plays, but it's because I think they were just put in better positions to make plays. Outside of sure. DeMarcus's Robinson's touchdown was definitely a one-on-one, isolated, we trust you to win moment, and they've always trusted him on shots like that, and he does you know, make it work plenty often to gain that trust, but McCole Hardman... Other plays for Robinson, Byron Pringle, even Daryl Williams on some of these quick little swing passes where guys were just blocking for him. They put these other guys, Jody Fortson's catch, they put these guys in positions to excel. They weren't just asking them to go win. So I really like that. I think Craig touched on it too. This allowed Patrick Mahomes to get going in the second half. He got to play a lot more confidently. He started Mm -hmm. playing like Patrick Mahomes has in the past. In that first half, he made some nice throws to Kelsey but they were still not floating, but the ball was still being placed into Travis Kelsey's chest. The ball was still being pushed to him. This second half after that first drive, no, he was slinging the ball everywhere. There was some plays that he probably threw the ball harder than he needed to for no reason, but he still did it because that's what Patrick Mahomes does. <laughs> oh, he was firing. He was absolutely firing, and everything everything about him looked confident. His he threw it with his chest. He did, but it's, it's everything before that too. And you know, we talked about the change. You know, we haven't really talked much about the change for Mike Remmers moving to right tackle, but I do think there was, you know, some truth to that, the way that, you know, he was navigating, exiting in and out of the pocket or out of the pocket largely. And, and some of the movement that, you know, he, the step up and, and through, uh, you know, wa- with, with Remmers walking, catching a guy, washing him past him. Some of those kind of things that felt like Patrick Mahomes felt more confident in some of his escape routes. And, you know, that's a weird thing to say, but I think that ability to create, you saw in the second half, you know, you saw a lot of that, you know, creativity coming back and, you know, even the movement skills, you know, there was one, the, 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 the crossbody 35 yard throw to Tyree kill in stride, which is somehow an out of structure anticipation throw dropping the ball over two levels of defense on Doesn't a count. rope in stride. Doesn't count. It didn't happen. Oh, didn't happen. Doesn't count. But the run, the run leading up to it looked like the Niners game a little bit yeah. with some of it, you know, the Niners, the Niners throw. Everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about yep. when I say the Niners throw. <laughs> it's not, it's not Wasp. 
it's the scramble and like the he even did the shoulder the shimmy to get the defensive end to to bite and and rolled out around bootlegged around he was he was moving all over the place but you saw some of those movement skills and it, it hasn't looked the same all year and it finally mm-hmm. kind of looked like he was back and his escape routes his confidence getting out of those escape routes looked like his eyes were staying downfield a little bit more his willingness to challenge was down a little bit more. And Maddie said, thrown, thrown with his chest. But the buildup to that point, I think, is just as crucial. And that's what we saw from him. And, you know, it, it kind of, you know, it, it was, it was, a, it was a half of football where it was like, y'all, y'all forgot, huh? Y'all kind of mm-hmm. forgot. And the story, one of the big stories today is that one guy with a hundred followers with the, with the, with the in stadium view of Patrick Mahomes scrambling crossbody throw. That didn't count has got like a million views on this because everyone is talking about this play it hit national media and rightfully so because it looks like Patrick Mahomes is is he's back's not the right word it just looks like he's 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 confident he's firing the football in ways that we know he's capable of well, well for some fans it was back because there were some <laughs> fans who wanted Chad Henney at halftime I saw him I saw you no don't you don't you try no. to hide from those tweets seriously. Yeah. Oh yeah, man! It was it was doom and gloom. Chiefs Twitter was in a bad place. Oh my! So I got a quick question for you guys: Would you even consider? Let's say that Lucas Niang is healthy now. Would you consider taking Mike Rimmers back out for Lucas Niang? I think the I think the Lucas Niang thing's fake. I think they wanted Mike Rimmers. I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. Uh, I, so yeah, Mike Rimmers is staying. I'm skeptical as well. I want Lucas Niang to have that because I want him to get the reps. I want him to learn because he's the future. I don't think that that's what this team wants to do to keep Patrick Mahomes comfortable. And that's just pure conjecture at this point. But I I think that the way that he looked, the comfort level that he had showed a lot different than, than we'd seen before. Yeah, I think you pair Lucas Yang practicing Thursday, not in any form of limited capacity, but playing as the second team tackle. Then he gets in this game as an extra offensive lineman. I think it's pretty clear that it was probably just they wanted to try Rimmers out, and I think Kent nailed it on the head. Mahomes just looked more comfortable in the pocket. He knew he had a comfort escape route ahead of Mike Rimmers, between Mike Rimmers and Trey Smith. He just felt comfortable playing in that pocket a little more. He felt comfortable escaping later through that gap. He, it just helped him out, I think. And so, yeah, I would with you guys. I would stick with Rimmers. And that, just that change of Rimmers and the way Patrick Mahomes looked more confident at the end of this game, guys, I feel really good. I thought I was going to feel bad because they didn't look super good against the Washington football team. I feel great. I love the changes this team made. Like, that's the big thing to me. If they just barely squeaked this out, if they just went on three, you know, 90-play drives, and even if they scored touchdowns, but they were just chipping away, throwing five-yard hook, five-yard hook, four-yard run, so on and so forth, and just couldn't be stopped, cool. They win, wouldn't feel great. But no, I feel great because the defense looked like they started to figure some stuff out since the past six quarters, like Craig said, and the offense. They just This is the offense that I remember seeing these last few years. I finally feel like they are on track to at least start getting back to where they've been. And I haven't felt that way all season for the offensive side. So I feel great about this game, even though, you know, it was tough for a first half versus a very bad Washington football team. So Maddie, Maddie, is that your, the entire team gets a helmet sticker because we have to do oh. this. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I don't do helmet stickers. Um, that, oh, kid oh, does I the do helmet the, sticker. You do, you do the hearty butt slap. That's right. Hardy butt yeah. slap and a good job. I yeah. do I do a butt slap, and we're giving it to Travis Kelsey because Buddy was getting 
his butt whooped all mm-hmm. game long. His wrist hurt, his hand hurt, his whole his neck apparently still hurt from that cheap shot from Jordan Poyer, who somehow didn't get fined. Dude's beat up, and he still went out there and played a great game. He single-handedly kept this offense looking functional at times in the middle of the game. So Travis Kelsey, big old butt slap from Steve Spagnuolo during a post-game interview. Do I, need, I Okay, do I go give a helmet sticker? Okay, I'm yeah. going to give one to Turk Wharton for the best ball skills on this d- defense. An outstanding <laughs> one-handed grab to bring down a pass, but pin it to the defensive line to regain control and get his first, I believe his first interception of his career real quick i think we might have mentioned on the kcsn post game show our pal Sully chiefs uh was at the game and he said turk wharton just looks absolutely jacked like a complete muscle <laughs> amateur so uh that's funny too just to see you know people that dude is he's jacked he might be kind of shorter on on the shorter side but that dude is built craig i, I don't even know I, what you get i do, do you get i do want to say if i don't know i i Beers. yeah he gives a beer. I, I i do want to say that turk wharton with Willie Gay as part of a special package this week for Steve Spagnuolo and the nickel. Turk Wharton played a lot of defensive end with Willie Gay in there as the will. Nick Bolton as the mic. Stay tuned to the KCSN Substack a little bit later this week. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, got some – Steve Spagnuolo's brewing some stuff up with some of his personnel. For me, I am given a giant bottle of 360 vodka to Jody Fortson. The best mm. story of this year. It sucks to see him go down with an Achilles injury. I just really starting to come into his own in this offense. Was probably going to start getting some more volume targets. Had a great one this week. They got an open roster spot. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Whitney Merciless, who's just gotten cut by the Houston Texans. Maybe, maybe some defensive end help. We'll we'll see what's coming there. But got to fill everybody I, with hope. Full, Full, full bottle of 360 vodka to Jody Fortson for uh, for showing up, being the player that he was for the Chiefs this year. We're can we send some of those to Merciless, and maybe we can, you know. We're, we'll, we'll, talk, yeah. we'll talk about Whitney Merciless and potentially being a guy that can come and help chase a ring. But if you're looking for a ring, uh, if you're looking for an engagement ring, go contact Hal at Ruback Fine Jewelry. And I say Hal because Hal is going to be the guy that you're going to do. Ruback is... Uh, a smaller company that is, you know, th- they're very personalized and Hal's likely going to be the one that you're going to be talking to about your ring buying experience. He's going to work within your budget to help find something that is going to be um, beautiful, custom, and something that your significant other is going to love. And I can speak to, you know, the the no hassle experience that Hal and Ruback will provide you. They are such a great company to work with. They've been so much fun to partner with these last couple of years. And whatever you're looking for for your jewelry needs, if it's if it's an engagement ring, if it's a push present for you know your 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 uh, the the mother of your child, I promise you, there's a lot of different you know special issue or special needs um, that you might have in your life because you know the jewelry often signifies a, a big pivotal moment in your life. You have to talk to Hal. Before you make a decision on anything, go to ruback.co, set an appointment with Hal, tell him what you need, tell him the budget you want to work with it, and he's going to find something that makes sense for you. It's, it, it, it's promise you, it's, it's just a, it's an effortless experience. You're going to love it. Okay. Real quick. We've been getting a lot of questions about Whitney, Whitney Merciless. Uh, he'd been released by the Houston Texans, uh, 31 years old, 6'4", 260 pounds, defensive end, three sacks on the year. Maddie, what do we think? 
So it's been a couple years. I'm be honest, it's been a couple years since I've really looked at Whitney Merciless because that contract that he signed was absolutely ridiculous by the Texans. Like there was no chance to move him. So it just wasn't a guy that I paid that much attention to. But now that he's cut three sacks on the year, it looks like the pressures aren't great. So he's turning his pressures into sacks and he's getting them. At this point in time, though, you're the Chiefs. You have you have like a half a defensive end at bat, like that's healthy right now for your team. So why not bring in somebody? Whitney Merciless has been productive throughout his NFL career. He's always been a guy that's been a good, you know, secondary or tertiary pass rusher. Bring him in. He probably isn't going to command a lot of money. Give him a shot. See what can happen. He fits Steve Spagnuolo's kind of preferences at defensive end. He has the length. He has the size. You know, the height somehow matters too. He has all these things. Bring him in and see what happens. Like he fits the mold. Give him a shot. Maybe he can be your Terrell Suggs this year. Yeah, I definitely would. Plays the run pretty well. Uh, has a little bit of juice off the edge. You, you just need another guy in the rotation, especially you know Chris Jones nursing that injury. Frank Clark is nursing injuries. Like get another guy in the rotation. They had Demoni Harris up this week. That could be Whitney Merciless. That could be a guy that could actually come in, help produce a little bit, give you some insurance in case one of those guys actually has to miss a lot of time. You see the kind of love he's getting on his way out of Houston, a well-respected player, a locker room leader for Houston. Uh, I I don't see any reason why the Chiefs shouldn't be taking a look at this guy to get into the mix. Um, he's got He's got more juice than some of the guys that are on this roster already, frankly. So uh, he's better than Demoni Harris. There I said it. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory Live episode. Thank you so much. For spending a little bit of time with us we appreciate you appreciate everyone supporting what we're doing here at kc sports network make sure to uh to check out everything else we got going here at kcsn one-on-one outside the trenches matt castle video breakdown series we've been doing all the oh, written finally content. a fun week again yeah hey it's worth talking about this week it's going to be a lot of fun and you can check that all out this week here on kcsn appreciate you we'll catch you later